Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction, a discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, Harry Truman's Excellent Adventure. As we progress through the winter doldrums of February, and people all around can talk of nothing but the weather, with a spoken or unspoken longing for spring and summer to follow, we turn our attention to one of those great rites of summer, the road trip. Harry S. Truman was our nation's 33rd president. He served after Franklin D. Roosevelt and before Dwight D. Eisenhower in the late 40s and early 50s. An Army veteran and businessman, Harry hailed from Missouri, where he also served as a judge, as well as representing the Show Me State in the U.S. Senate. He became vice president in 1944 and acceded to the presidency upon the death of Roosevelt in 1945. He served until 1953. Now, when Mr. Truman left office in 1953, he returned to his home in Independence, Missouri. Truman and his wife, Bess, were people of modest means, and in 1953, there was no presidential pension to speak of. The presidents were pretty much at the mercy of whatever their financial standing was prior to them taking office. So the Trumans returned to their family home, which had been built in the 1800s, and lived there as what Truman would call ordinary American citizens. He took walks around the neighborhood every morning. He did not have a Secret Service detail. He was responsible for all his own expenses, including that of having an office so that he could answer his mail, including the salaries of two assistants who he paid out of his own pocket. Now, after living here for a few months, he decided to do what many Americans of that time, and indeed many Americans today, decide to do for their summer. He decided to take a road trip. The occasion for this trip was an invitation from the Reserve Officers Association, a group which represented those officers who had served in the Army Reserves, of which Truman was a member. He was invited to give a speech in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in late June of 1953, about six months after he had left office. At that point, Mr. Truman and his wife decided to do something that no president had ever done before, nor has any president ever done since. They would drive cross-country, unaccompanied by any attendance, any security, any secret service, to make it to the speech. And along the way, the Trumans decided to take it as a vacation, planning some three weeks' worth of travel across country from Missouri to the East Coast, staying over at various places along the way, as well as spending some time in Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, and New York. This vacation is detailed in this month's book, Harry Truman's Excellent Adventure, The True Story of a Great American Road Trip, by Matthew Algio. This book is a wonderful picture of the United States as it was in 1953. Mr. Algio not only describes and details the trip based on records from both Truman's diaries as well as recollections of people who are still living who were around and met the Trumans along the way, but also he decided to replicate the trip himself and tried to find out how many places he could visit that the Trumans had visited, how many places he could stay where they had stayed, how many places he could dine where they had dined, and he details it. 
He does a marvelous job of writing this all in 231 pages plus sources and index. A detail that he returns to throughout the book is Harry Truman's insistence on becoming, or I should say, returning to being a normal, average American citizen. Truman did not like the celebrity. He thought he could just blend in again as one of the regular people, one of the regular folk. He was to find out that that was somewhat mistaken, that once you are president of the United States, there is somewhat of celebrity that attaches to you for the remainder of your days. The trip started out on June 19, 1953, leaving from the Truman's home in Independence on a day where the weather forecast was for temperatures to exceed 100. In Kansas City that day, the thermometer read 102. The Truman set off in their brand new Chrysler New Yorker, which they had just bought back in February. A black four-door sedan with chrome wire wheels and white wall tires. The interior was tan and had a 331 cubic inch V8 engine. Truman's quote on the car was, it's got so many gadgets on it, I'll have to go to engineering school to handle it. One of the perks of president, or I should say ex-president, was that Chrysler, being tickled that the Trumans had bought the car, sent an engineer out to Independence to help Harry get acquainted with the car. The Trumans proceeded east through Missouri into Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and along the way they stopped at diners and ice cream stands, stayed at hotels and a motel, and most of the places they went, they were recognized. A few places they were able to elude detection, however. There is one section in the book which details from the time that the Trumans left Indiana all the way through Ohio, there is no record as to where they went, where they dined. They just drove for most of the day, but of course they would have had to have stopped for a meal, but no one knows where they did. It was not noted in his diary, and the author here considers it somewhat of a gap in the travel log. He does not know what they did that day across Ohio, and apparently no one else does. Mrs. Truman, Bess, accompanied Harry on the vacation and served as somewhat of a unofficial governor, as Harry would like to call it, making sure that Mr. Truman, who was somewhat of a lead foot, did not exceed 55 miles an hour. Not because that was the posted speed limit. In 1953, there were many roads in America which had no posted speed limit at all, and others which varied considerably from state to state, county to county, town to town. Bess Truman is collectively portrayed somewhat as a frumpy or dour housewife, someone who did not enjoy living in the White House. That much is known for sure. But in reality, to her friends, and especially with her husband, she was full of wit, she had tremendous charm, and she was somewhat mischievous. On top of that, she was an accomplished athlete and a huge baseball fan. For the most part, the Trumans traveled on U.S. 40, is also known as the National Road. This was before the interstate system had really developed at all. That would not come around till later in the 50s. Yet at some points along the trip, Truman did admit to friends that he had gotten the Chrysler up to 70 miles an hour before, as he said, the governor reminded me to drop the speed. In the author's retracing of their travel route, he comes across people who were working at diners, were only teenagers at the time, helping out in their dad's diner, and now they themselves are retired and their children own the diner. There's one place in Maryland where a Coca-Cola bottle that Mr. Truman drank out of at a gas station is preserved by the local historical society, with Harry's name and the date that he drank it 
painted on the outside of the bottle. You can still visit some of the businesses, like the Princess Restaurant in Frostburg, Maryland, which still does exist to this day. Truman was actually familiar with this restaurant from his days when he used to travel between Washington and Missouri when he was a senator. The author's pursuit of the Truman's route also allows him to take some detours of his own. Along the way in the book, you'll find out the actual origins of the American retirement system. And I'm not talking about Social Security. We're talking about why people actually started retiring. Because in the old days, you just kind of worked until you dropped. He also manages to touch on the person who designed the classic Holiday Inn sign, the green and yellow one, the founder of that chain, and what his motivation was in starting up Holiday Inn and where he got the name for it. And it was the Bing Crosby movie. The author visits a home today at which the Trumans were invited to a barbecue during their vacation. This home has the distinction of actually hosting at least five presidents, Truman included. And you find out that Harry Truman, who in addition to being a very well-read man, he was probably one of the most well-read presidents we've ever had, was also a very energetic man who believed in physical exercise. He took walks every morning, usually before 7 in the morning. By the 1950s, Harry Truman had a collection of over 100 walking canes, one of which he would take every morning on his walks. We follow along with the Trumans as they continue their vacation-slash-business trip, arriving finally in Washington, D.C., where they meet up with their daughter Margaret, and Harry makes the rounds of various and sundry different places in the capital, receives visitors at his hotel, and other such business. He is invited to a Senate luncheon in the Capitol building, which he attends, along with John Kennedy and one Lyndon Johnson. He is also invited to speak to the Senate, the first ex-president that is invited to speak to the Senate after he leaves office since Andrew Johnson back in the 1870s. Andrew Johnson, few trivia hounds out there, you may recall is the only president to ever be elected to the Senate after being president. The Trumans make their way to Philadelphia and to New York, and then turn around to make the trip back across the country, back to Missouri. Along the way on the return trip, we do find out that they do stop and stay over a night in Columbus, downtown at a hotel which had a thousand rooms and is sadly no longer standing, having been torn down in 1968. The Trumans make it back safe and sound to Independence, Missouri, to their home on Delaware Street, having traveled over 2,500 miles and being gone from the house for 19 days. This book is a wonderful slice of 1953, and a wonderful portrait of a man and his wife and how they were trying to fit in so desperately as normal citizens, without pretension, without any kind of favors, without any kind of special treatment, something that seemingly is just not possible anymore today. Truman was a very humble man, but a very accomplished man. The author comments a number of times throughout the book, comparing Truman's time after he left office to his successors. Harry Truman did seem to be a man of the people. The people did love him, and he has only risen in the presidential rankings in the time since he's been gone. If you're thirsty for more Harry Truman after you've read about his road trip, another book you might want to check out is The Wit and Wisdom of Harry Truman by Ralph Keyes. This is a nice little book, which collects many of Harry Truman's observations, quotes, and writings from throughout his life. Everything from the famous ones, such as, if you cannot stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, 
and the buck stops here, to the more remote ones, which have a little bit more length, such as when even one American who has done nothing wrong is forced by fear to shut his mind and close his mouth, then all Americans are in peril. And one of our librarians' favorites, Upon books, the collective education of the race depends. They are the sole instruments of registering, perpetuating, and transmitting thought. This is a nice little book to check out. So we hope that you drive along with the Trumans as they take their road trip. As they drive along together on those two-lane roads of yore, you may find a warmer feeling in your heart, not only from the descriptions of the 90-plus degree heat along the way, but also from the simple joy of a couple enjoying a vacation together and the sheer authenticity of those two people driving along, meeting their fellow citizens out there on the American road. Join us again next month when we'll present another topic on nonfiction. Until then, keep your head above the snow, and we'll see you at your Nordonia Hills Branch Library. Music by 20 Riverside. Presented by Mevio's Music Alley. Music.mevio.com Thank you for listening.